Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror and media. And today, it's Eddie's birthday! Ah! Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Eddie! And we're going to be discussing Hellboy, <laughs> which Eddie has graciously picked for us. The Hellboy comics, specifically. Right. Yes. But how's it going, John? It's going well. Uh, I liked going through like this collection. I like when things get brought together into the volumes and you don't have to go searching An for everything. Yeah, so is that like a like is that it's an actual all, word? It's a compilation of like every story separated in volumes. Okay, so I like yeah, I like that it was compiled yeah. and you had. This was like also the, like uh, this is the first one, right? Like the first one he ever wrote. Well, John Byrne wrote the first one. Oh, okay, uh, with him, and then later on he just wrote more consecutive Hellboy stories. How do you say his name? Mike Mignola. 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 The G is probably silent. Mignola. Mignola. <laughs> However, <it's> Magnolia, <laughs> and then yeah, and John Byrne, who was who was the writer, I'm assuming. Yeah, mm-hmm. who did like his run of Superman and Spider Man and Next Men, and that's where Hellboy made his first appearance, to, like in comic wise. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the one we have is what is it? Seed uh, of Destruction. Seed of Destruction. And Wake the Devil and Almost Colossus and the Wolves of Saint Augustine, compiled in one volume. Gotcha. We both picked up uh, that the first the first omnibus the volume one omnibus Seed of Destruction, which is available on Amazon. Yeah, is where we got and Barnes and Noble and your local comic book retailers. Yeah, go to your local comic book and Dark Horse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, go do that. Yeah, give them some some of your cash. They they yeah. deserve it. Yeah, make it rain. <laughs> make it rain, all Mike Magnola. So, what was the first story we all read? I'm assuming it's Hellboy's like origin story, basically. The Seed of Destruction, yeah. yeah His like first arc of story, mm-hmm. like the Seed of Destruction, and that. <clears throat> then there's like Wake the Devil, which kind of goes a little bit more in the background of Hellboy, who his character is, where he finds out he's the Beast of the Apocalypse, where his red right hand is to bring the end of days and create a new Eden. This is what Rasputin tells him at the end of Cedar Destruction mm-hmm. of like the forthcoming like he's gonna create this new Eden of the world like the world is gonna become a new world yeah basically rebirth the world yes. again well they mention they mention Ragnarok don't they yes. or at least that's the name of the operation yeah that operation Germany Ragnarok. has put together yeah or the Nazis really mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. which is a very pulp kind of story oh yeah so like it, it basically inserts the hellboy story into history in this case around like world war ii when uh that's Nazi when he Germany was like was coming to power. To Earth. but more of like closer to the end when they were kind of like they knew they were gonna get defeated they're getting desperate they're getting desperate yeah. they're yep. starting weird experiments and one of them was this uh ragnarok project put together by hitler and rasputin yep adolf can't be a quitler <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's getting cut. No, that's, getting, that's getting cut. We're cutting that. Don't be an Adolf Quitler. Don't be an Adolf. Fucking God damn it. All right. Anyway, so. <laughs> uh, like Minch, Mitch mentioned, it is a lot of like, to me, it came off as noir. Uh, yeah. The lighting is used to really great effect for their faces. The shading. And and for the shading. You don't see too many eyes. And when you do, it's like a really important moment that they're mm-hmm. going to like zoom in on someone's eyes. 
Um, it does keep with a lot of like the humor that Hellboy has kind of come to be known for in the very movies. Very dry kind of humor. Yeah, really deadpan humor that he'll deliver like upon hitting a monster or like he's mm-hmm. like, oh damn, like he's like <laughs> in a bad situation. He's getting tossed yeah. across the the fucking uh, like church when he's fighting. He's just like, yeah. damn, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly, he's flying away. Damn. So just really funny lines from him. But overall, my initial thoughts were it's really fast paced. Like, mm-hmm. you don't get too much breathing time between, oh. like, his adventures. And then he just gets right into it and gets thrown into something. He also knows a lot of people because mm-hmm. he's just been around so long mm-hmm. that he's, like, been meeting all of these different people. So he knows. He met Einstein. Right. He met Einstein and Oppenheimer at yeah. some point mm-hmm. because of the because he was in New Mexico, like, yeah. when he was, like, younger. And with, that, uh, he also, that's where he had his first love of pancakes, where he calls <laughs> pancakes. <laughs> great. Which was, like, a two-page story of... Hellboy just like he wants spaghetti for breakfast, but the general saying no, you're having pancakes. Oh, okay. And, he, and then like the beast in hell. Is all. there more story about him growing up with like his like adoptive father? Uh, Trevor Burnholm. Yeah. 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 There's a like there's an arc in like BPRD 1940 through the 50s. Okay, cool. Yeah. I feel like I'd want to read more on that just because I felt like I kind of knew a little bit about him. Yeah. But then the beginning of the story, he like dies like. Like really two fat. or three in pages of destruction. In. Yeah, he gets <laughs> yeah. yeah he gets offed really Not fast. Not like how John Hurt, you like really get invested in that character. The yes. Oh relationship. yeah. Well, in the movie, they focused really heavily on building that relationship between mm-hmm. the dad and Hellboy, and then he gets killed by Rasputin later on, or by um I can't remember the name of the lackey, the guy. Cronin. There you go. Yeah, which is a di- he's different from the comics as he is in the movie. Yeah. He's more like an assassin. Yeah. But, and in this one, he's a meek guy in a mask. Right. He also seems to be able to speak and like speaks really refinely in the comics where it's like he's kind of calm and everything like that compared to some of the other people who are a little bit more crazed <laughs> about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I liked the intro. They start off with uh, like kind of the complaint like you had from the officer in the movie where he's like, like before two weeks ago, I'd never heard the word parabnormal. Like, what is this shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. then he's just like, what? Oh, yeah, he's going to come back from the dead? Yeah, right. Yeah. And then it goes <laughs> right into the story where that's exactly what happens. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I really like how it builds up the, uh, like, that. it really builds up the noir aspect where there's a lot of internal monologues going on. You know, Hellboy's exploring, like, the under, like the underground with um, the, the fire lady. Liz Sherman. Liz, thank you. Thank you, Liz. Um, Which and then they're they, not even like a romantic couple in the comics. Yeah, that's like no, yeah, not they're just partner. All. They're just like they're like working buddies basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I I like I like that aspect of it. I do I and so they took a lot of time building up the noir aspect where there's a lot of like internal monologues and comments on the scenery and things like that. Um, that really like that really puts you into that like that noir like pulpy feel. It really creates that a different theme for a comic like this. Right. So to start. What exactly happens? Like, how does Hellboy get brought into, I guess, this plane of existence? Mm-hmm. Rasputin teleports him from hell to our world, pretty much. And it's off-site from where they are. Right. It, it, he ends up bringing him in in another location from yeah, like, they're where like they're doing it. Yeah, they're, like, Ireland or Scotland in the comics. And they are at this church, which Hellboy goes back to later and when he's older to, like, see these ghosts of a man and a woman who are trying to save their mother from being taken by the devil, which Hellboy learns his origin that, yeah, that woman who is in a chained coffin 
is his mother who is a ancestor of King Arthur. Oh, shit. So <laughs> Hellboy has ties to King Arthur and his father's a demon. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. So... Yeah. Yeah, so so Hellboy's brought brought into world and into yeah. world, and then later on he then learns that he's basically brought to bring about the destruction of the world. Yeah, he's supposed to be like a conduit that Rasputin would use to like channel power that mm-hmm. would uh, open up like a gateway for all of these gods to come through. What do they call them? The Audra Jihad. There you go. And there's like is that a made up name? Is that from like actual mythology? Or did he just kind of um, make that? It's up like a, a Middle Eastern. I thought so. I did. I didn't look it up just yet, but I felt like he might have just pulled it from some mythologies that no, already exist. Yeah, well, Mignola puts a lot of like folklore, old myths, and legends in the world of Hellboy. Like there's, and he just Hellboy is that character that kind of like goes through all these sort of uh, old time sort of tales to fight monsters. That's like most of his um, his assignments. He gets called in because at a certain point he becomes like the detective for occult things and then they know he can handle it. And because the Bureau has him and all of these other people, they end up sending him over to handle most of these situations. But like right at the beginning, I liked uh, the artwork they did for Rasputin and just how fucking crazy he is. <laughs> and like he, he talks so much. Oh, yeah. He has a lot of stuff. He's, he's like got, he's like reciting like passages yeah. off of like a book or like some ancient book or something and all the incantations that he's doing. Um, and holy shit, this first story is so close to what they did for the movie. Mm-hmm. Like they, the I very feel like, first movie that Guillermo del Toro did. Yes. The one, the one it had was Ron Perlman and then, uh, I can't remember. Selma Blair. Was. Yeah. John Hurt, uh, Doug Jones, who yeah was Ape Sapien and a lot of the dad from Arrested Development. <laughs> and, and so you have like some lines that are pulled from the comic and put directly into those movies, which is really cool. Cause I, having seen the movies and then going back to this and be like, Oh, this is cool. There's a lot of parallels here, but I have to say, I think I preferred the comic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that the, like the noir is also a different kind of character in, in the comic and in the movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, he has more of like certain mannerisms of the Hellboy character. How do you of, mean? Like the been through the ringer, kind of character like this is just like his job that he has to do oh gotcha and not like um a character who's kind of adolescent because he's doing this beauty and the beast relationship with the liz sherman character in the movie as opposed yeah they kind of forced that into the movie which is interesting because it's like the story exists just fine without it (laughs) yeah yeah it's not romances are not necessary for stories to be good yeah hellboy gets romantically involved with a girl that he saved uh, from these goblins and fairies. <laughs> yeah. Nice. There was a story. Uh, it's in the Seed of Destruction omnibus, uh, or actually the sh- complete short stories, where he has to take this corpse into a Christian grave before daybreak, and this, like, giant pig is stopping him from... Okay. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And, but this is a further story that it goes into uh, the Darkness Calls and Wild Hunt and Fury book storyline which is gets more of a that book's more fantasy than like horror or pulp like the previous stories from that hellboy arc i mean the two the two stories that i was able to get through before this week's episode were the seed of destruction and um the wolves of saint augustine um one of which um had definitely like a like a lovecraftian like action movie sort of sort of vibe to it whereas the other one was just a straight up like horror 
like right. horror, like just a like a straight up horror story where it's you know all of the all of the werewolves. You finally like you go into the house or the uh, the old church and realize that all of these ghosts here are like are werewolves and whatnot and always have been. <laughs> For the first story, when so basically Hellboy gets summoned to his like adoptive father's place mm-hmm. and then they get attacked, which is kind of funny because they're like frog creatures. Yeah, yeah. shape shifting <laughs> frog creatures. Yeah, they they start like getting more bulkier and beefier as the like different family members from from the family kind of get possessed. They go more into the frogs in another arc in yeah. BPRD, uh, okay. Mega Frogs, which we could talk about. Another what is time. what is the acronym? Uh, Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. Got it. Mm-hmm. And that organization is more of a public organization. Than yeah, people kind of know like of a secret them. organization, like yeah. it was in the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People know that this exists, and they'll call on them. Yeah, it wasn't and, like uh, Men in Black or... or <laughs> yeah, definitely not secretive, and they had a lot of connections, it looked like. Mm-hmm. They didn't really seem like they were low-funded or anything like that. But They're, they did have experts. They had tons of experts for, like, specific things that they were looking into. But his adoptive father gets attacked and pretty much killed in this yep. beginning scene. And then you find out a little more about what exactly the family was looking for. So they get summoned to... Or they get sent to this house this house that's supposed to be like cursed and they start finding out more on a body of water yeah it's like uh it's like being held up somehow like right next to a lake and it's like a good hiding place for the ruins and like a a tentacle lovecraftian creature yeah it's like kind of like a tomb for that creature and then rasputin has been like feeding it basically Mm -hmm. with uh, all the life force from the family members but he originally had to go find it. Like, it was in, uh, what, the North Pole? Like, the most, for, like, the, basically on top of the world. He had mm-hmm. to go find it first. So, all those expeditions that the family was going on, they were all yeah, trying to find it. Yeah, was sort of like a hibernation. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, he, like, basically did a hibernation like a monk and sat down. And then it was, um, he was doctor, right. or no, professor, what is his name? The dad? Uh, Trevor Brutenholm. Yeah. He basically, like, touches his face <clears throat> and wakes him up. And then he lets him like. As opposed kind of to what they did in the movie was a blood blood sacrifice. Right. Oh yeah, they had some random person like he sacrificed. Their Sherpa. <laughs> yeah. And so he let he allows him to escape so that he can lure Hellboy out and then he can attack both of them. And that's sort of like the story that progresses after that. But they have to get this statue over to the house, and it's why the house remains cursed after that. Because the creature is taking in all the power from all the creatures in the lake. And all of the like plants and things like that. So that's why everything seems dead when they arrive. Yeah, it's also interesting how they introduce Ape Sapien in the book. Cause yeah, Ape Sapien, how he's introduced is like in a tank, swimming, eating rotten eggs. Yeah, and reading books. What? And well, he's wearing a hilarious disguise. In the yeah, comics. like a beard, it's like a mustache. I love it. Though. It's so awesome. I love <laughs> yeah. that he's got the hat and the and it like totally like is like yeah, it's glasses. like a throwback to that noir look and stuff yeah, like that as exactly. well. So it's another like you know a lot yeah, of love letters to that to that type of style. The definitely. woman comments that he looks very sickly and pale. Uh, yeah, she's like, "Are you sure you don't want me to take your coat and hat? You look really pale." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "No, I'm good." But it's sort of interesting how they introduce that character and Hellboy is a demon as well. Like he. Who, Abe? Yeah. Oh, really? Because Hellboy is – he. it's, like, nonchalantly there's Hellboy introduced. Like, it's no big deal. There's a Yeah, there's not too much introduction and besides just, like, Sapien oh, he got is summoned. As a, a fish man. Well, they said they found him in a tank underneath uh, an abandoned place in, in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and then on a little inscription on it had, like, 
uh, something sapien, and then he got. It was the yeah. day that he, it was the day that Abe Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln was assassinated. And they, that's why they named him Abe. And that's how he get his name. Abe. <laughs> well, great. I mean, at one yeah. point Hellboy calls him Abraham, so like it is like a full name, but mm-hmm. he just ends up calling him Abe Sapien. <laughs> and so yeah, so you find out about those characters, and then you you get more information onto why all of this is sort of happening. Mm-hmm. And so that's when they they kind of go down into the house to figure out what's going on. They go like right into the action. Well, Liz Sherman gets kidnapped by one of the frog creatures. Mm-hmm. Well, Abe jumps into the water first to go check out what's going on, and then. Uh, uh, Liz calls him on like the little walkie talkie, whatever they mm-hmm. have. The calm. Yeah. And then uh, she's like, I don't know why there's all these weird frogs around here. Yeah. And and of course, Hellboy knows about frogs? the frogs from when he's dad. So he like runs down the hall to find her and she's already gone. And that's like his first encounter with one of them. Mm-hmm. And second encounter. Yeah. Second yeah. encounter. Yeah, You're right. He kills the frog. He didn't. Yeah. Like, he shoots. <laughs> I love that he makes comments about how he's not a good shot. And yeah, he just yeah, has yeah, a no. huge gun, so he's just like, I can't really miss. So you got a, yeah. so you got a gun now. Yeah. Like, you learned how to use it yet? <laughs> after 50-plus years after World War II. Yeah, right, and he's just never <laughs> – it was punches. Things. Well, he changes his gun, too. He has, like, yeah. a revolver to start, and then he changes it to, like, a more modernized gun. But, I mean, the revolver is kind of like an aesthetic choice. For them to use something like that. Uh, another another noir. Yeah, thing. all of it. Yeah. <laughs> all of it's very like he just is like it's you just like Hellboy read a bunch of detective novels and well, just really wanted to be them. Hellboy just gets clever with whatever he can pick up to use as a weapon against monsters. He does really pick up a lot of things mm-hmm. and just starts beating the shit out of all the monsters. <laughs> like he'll take a harpoon or a so- like sword. He even wields Excalibur in the uh, nice what so, yeah that's cool as fuck because he he's the heir of king arthur yeah so he's uh, that's, technically mm, like that's that's pretty awesome technically yeah. worthy to Which hold the it. current movie did yeah like the middle story of hellboy's life mm-hmm. it did yeah uh it's uh hellboy's r- quits the bureau and he has all the, his journey takes him like back to africa and okay and he reunites with that girl he saved from the fairies oh, gotcha. and, and goblins alice and they have a, like a romantic he also becomes like a byronist kind of character i did notice that on his encounters with these monsters that he sort of like gets angrier and then like kind of gets a little more strength from that which is something that i felt like we you didn't really see like in the movies or really anywhere else so it's like he does get pretty pissed off and mm-hmm. gets some more strength from that that was interesting. I was yeah, like, he's not as he's not as cold and emotionless as he kind of is in the movies. We get a little more history on how Rasputin got the statue over to the house and how he kind of used the family as well as um, he basically used Hitler and all of his resources to get what he wanted. Because Hitler had no vision. Yeah, it was really funny. They were like basically making fun of Hitler and being like, "Look at this tiny man!" <laughs> and like, <laughs> and he he basically brainwashed him and all the other like high-ranking officials to like give him money for these weird the occult things yeah yeah there's even a character in the comic uh who has a swastika for his uh, glass lens that's so yeah i liked uh that's actually the dude i was looking at right here there's a whole yeah. page that tells you all about him and his like team and they all have some crazy gnarly names that i don't think i can pronounce but <laughs> also hopstein who becomes Hecate later on in the Wake of the Dead? Right, story. it's like on yeah. There you go, you Leopold it. Kurtz and Isa yeah. Hopstein and Professor Doctor Karl Ruprecht Cronin, and then name unknown, which is Rasputin, <laughs> von yeah. Krupp Klaus Werner. <laughs> Just Werner. 
whatever. Anyway. Um, I like his uh, description for his death. Uh, he was committed to Eisenvault Sanitarium. Died six months later. Body discovered to be infested with beetles of unknown species. No explanation. Damn. That's <laughs> fucking crazy. That's cool shit. So they include these cool little bits in the story where it's like you have some folklore. There's even like a, an African myth about frogs and how that's significant to the story and why he had frog creatures helping him. That's what I love about Hubway. He's just rich. It's a lot, yeah. It's a lot of folklore, a lot of depth to the like source material that they're pulling from, um, and so they end up using it kind of to their advantage to keep creating stories and things that Hellboy runs into because they all sort of like overarc. <clears throat> the The main piece of it is that Rasputin is basically trying to bring these huge gods to the world so they'll destroy everything, and that's like his main goal. And he's convinced that like they speak to him and tell him to like do their bidding and whatnot. And he'll he'll constantly ramble on about it. It makes a different it. kind of character, as opposed like a comic book villain character, as opposed to like the Joker or Lex Luthor, who wants to like take out their character. Well, the the, the Joker is one of those people like they had a really good line in one of the movies where it's like he couldn't be bought, reasoned, or bullied with. Like yeah. he really just wanted to see all the chaos unfold. Uh, Rasputin to me was like he had a very direct goal. You know what he's trying to do, but he seems to just be like unlimited power with all of the stuff he does, and gets brought back several times. <laughs> yeah, it's he's a character of mysticism. Yeah, as well. So like a, I don't want to say wizard, but like uh, cult. He's definitely he's definitely like a cult leader sort yeah. of idea. He's he definitely like, yeah. He has like the uh, like the crazed like the deranged um, the deranged religious leader sort of sort of thing going for him all he always talks in scriptures he's you know always wearing his robes with all his symbols on it and everything um i actually really like the fight with him and hellboy is actually really awesome because it's just him like doing all these chants until hellboy gets up to him and starts messing with him and then pieces of his body just start getting blasted off and he becomes like more deranged and hellish looking as it goes on until until hellboy just like pummels him into skeleton essentially and I actually really, really like the line um, at the very, at the very end when he's about to like off him. Uh, it basically, he's like, he's like, think creature. If you kill me, you'll never know who you are. You'll never understand the power inside you. Yeah, you're right. And then he just yeah. fucking, and then he just fucking like does not give a fuck and is just gonna destroy this dude and then just crushes him and it's pretty great. I love it. Good stuff. That's what's great about the. Um hellboy character he's a, just a very nonchalant blue collar agent yeah he doesn't seem to be like wanting any sort of great power he just want to exist in well, he the just, world he thinks he's like one of the guys he's just he yeah. views himself as a human being but the like Rasputin, um the blood queen hecate and baba yaga even <laughs> they know who he truly is and what he's capable of being isn't that like literally the boogeyman the Baba Yaga? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a, it's a Russian witch. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's like a folklore and from Russia. There was a uh, short story where the Baba Yaga was counting fingers oh, God. A, as Hellboy was hanging out in the graveyard. And I forget what prompted him to get in a conflict with Baba Yaga in that story. Yeah. Until he, like, took out her eye with his gun. <laughs> and she just, like... Was, was he just, like, shoot her point blank or... Yeah, he got a lucky shot with her eye. Oh. <laughs> and in later stories, there's, like, the Baba Yaga where she wants Hellboy's eye 
for like an eye for an eye. Oh, I see. Treatment because okay. he he took hit her eye. She's gonna take his eye. Right. And that will also lead into like Hellboy in Hell, <laughs> where Hellboy just hangs out in Hell, and it's more of like, uh, it's like a almost like a final story for Hellboy. Okay. But then he comes back to Earth to stop the events of Ragnarok happening again, which is another story where BPRD, the devil you know, which is a current story that they concluded on the whole like Hellboy arc. Right. So this is just like a small piece of like all the other stories just that he kind of gets involved with. Yeah. Yeah. I do like... This is a good introductory story. Yeah, though. this is a good way to like kind of get into it if you want to explore more of it. Um, I liked his outfit. Just a long like duster. Coat, yeah, really, just like shorts. the coat and short. Yeah, shorts and like his little like utility belt, really, that holds his gun. That he carries a Kruchamon. So is he barefoot most of the time? Yeah, he's yeah. cloven hood barefoot. Yeah, exactly. Not like where he wears boots in the movies. I yeah, I think he wears pants. No, they're just shorts. Yeah, they're just. Oh, shorts. he wears shorts yeah. with his little belt. There yeah. you go. Without a shirt or anything. Yep. Um, Other times he's worn like it's the BPRD label T-shirt. Or he wears yeah exactly yeah or a suit he's even wearing a poncho and a Mexican sombrero <laughs> when he's fighting a luchador vampire dude what, <laughs> what? Where, where is this, is this? why yeah. did you tell us to get that yeah. one I want to see that one Hellboy in, in Mexico Hellboy it's that's what it's called Hellboy yeah. in Mexico I gotta go find it oh now. my god yes this sounds fucking great the movie opens up with a Hellboy in Mexico uh, story arc a bit oh okay very cool yeah wait is it a comic or a movie. The current Hel- that well, Hellboy in Mexico is a comic, yes, and the current movie opened up with that story arc a little bit. Oh, the the most recent one that came yeah, out, yeah, with David Harbor as Hellboy. I haven't watched it just yet. Nope, the people like yet. shit on that movie. They're yeah. like, "This is the dumbest movie." Well, I think partly because people wanted a third movie, right from the uh, from the other series that had already yeah, been established. Well, I mean, they Guillermo like Del Toro talked about doing a trilogy. Right. Of the Hellboy movies, but he never was able to, like, finish that story. Well, they teased that, like, Hellboy and Liz were going to have a kid. Twins. Well, they were going to... Yeah, like, that's it. They like, they were going to have twin twin babies and that they, they were wanted gonna to continue the story. They were going to be named Mad Dog, and um, they were going to be the Children of the Apocalypse story, which I think was a bit of a stretch to do. I don't know. It, I think people Hellboy got stuck, too, kinda... on Ron Perlman being Hellboy. Yeah. Yeah, because he did do a good. He did, yeah, he, yeah. He did such a good job that he it's looked like, like Hellboy without the makeup. I liked the way that the new guy looked. David Harbor. Yeah, I liked the way he looked. He, he looks, looked like straight off of a heavy metal. Cover. Yeah, <laughs> they even made him look really ugly. Like his, yeah, exactly. He had like a heavy brow. Like his hair was kind of down most of the More time. More exaggerated features. It yeah, looked like he actually looked through. Like, like he was beat up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That he fought monsters. Yeah, like, he wasn't quite as like clean, looking. clean looking. Yeah, as like uh, Ron Perlman's yeah, Hellboy Ron, was. Ron Perlman had really smooth features on the makeup in that one. For his face, really, yeah. really smooth features. And then you look at this other one, and you've got like this like like gross like mouth looking guy, and he's got scars on his face. Yep. And he, yeah, exactly. No, it's really. Yeah, he looks a lot better. I just I just haven't seen the movie, and I'm not sure how it is. I know Eddie's seen it. It's a decent movie. It's not like a bad movie. Yeah, entirely. I'll probably like it. I have no expectations for it. It, te- but the thing is, it tells three different stories. Oh, gotcha. Of Hellboy, like they do the Hellboy Mexico story, and then they do like the Wild Hunt and the Fury story, and it's a very much of a middle story in between chapter of Hellboy's arc till he goes to hell, and. Uh, like there's no ape sapien till the end of the movie, and they find him in a canister. 
Oh, that's weird. Okay. Yeah, just okay. like how they found Abe Sapien in the comics and a, and a camera. How does he end up in hell again? Does I he just go? Like, or does he get like sent off somewhere? I th- I believe he's like killed off in the um, the Wild Hunt and the Fury story. Okay. And then he he, I need to read that story again. <laughs> it's kind of been a while, for me, but yeah. Uh, I also thought it was really funny that Hellboy has like tiny legs. <laughs> Compared yeah. to like the rest of him, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, just the way that he's, the way that the body proportions are illustrated, it basically like will put stuff like the skinnier parts will be like in it, like it. It's like the detail comes from where all the action and like the point of focus is going to be. Yes. Whereas the rest of it is just sort of there to give like what the rest of it is. Like even the cover of this comic, he has like this super skinny little wrist arm, like his little baby wrist arm, and yeah. then this like giant nice hand of doom hand. on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> And it's really funny because then there's other pictures in there where it's just he just has a normal arm. It's just like muscle yeah, and normal, but in this one in particular, it he looks really like skinny, like he's almost like a like kind of a strange mutant creature or something along those lines. Uh, Mike Mignola has this. Alan Moore has described his artwork to be Jack Kirby German expressionist mm-hmm. style, which it, I that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes but sense. I don't it. think Mike Mignola ever thought of it that way. Um, I think he always tried to be like certain artists that he was growing up during the time. Like, well, if he pulled from the source material, like from those classic stories, then yeah. those were based off of expressionist things. So that, that would make sense that he kind of did it without realizing that that's sort of like what it would be viewed as now. Because like, have you seen, what is that movie? Is it the, the, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? That's no, like no. considered to be like the most... German Expressionist. The most, yeah, the, the most German Expressionist movie. Yeah, exactly. You, you end up going and watching it. It's way too long and it's boring. But it's important for film analysis because it's like the German Expressionist film that came out during that time period. And it looks almost exactly like the comic. I kind of prefer Nosferatu myself. Nosferatu is amazing. Like that was actually a really good movie. <laughs> As in like a German Expressionist horror film. Yeah. And I think we should definitely talk about Shadow of the Vampire and the remake that hap- that they did in the late 70s. Yeah, that'd be a good combo, actually. Yeah, yeah those are really good. Um, but it serves to use that kind of art style with these characters because of the content. So it has to deal with monsters, monster hunting, uh, occultism, and sort of bringing them all together for these story arcs. And it was cool to see Hellboy be sort of that character. He's to me, it's like a, it's kind of a funny reference, but like he's he's sort of like Blade, mm-hmm. where Blade is a vampire himself and half human and having to deal with his own he's place. The Van Hels- yeah. He's a Van Helsing. He's also a Van Helsing yeah. character. He's yeah. the monster that fights the monsters. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited that Mahershala Ali is going to be Blade. Yeah, yeah, that yeah was such really, a good yeah. casting. Really though, <laughs> really though, really was. And everyone yeah. has been I agree. like, will Wesley Snipes ever come back? But we- Wesley Snipes told people to shut the fuck up. And he's stop old. He's old and over it, dude. Yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't want to. Sh- I mean, he fuck. said he would do it. But he's glad that they starred this guy else, yeah. because he's he thinks he'd be a good fit for it. Yeah, um, and he's so younger like, yeah. too, man, and it, he's just younger. You know, yeah. he's a younger guy. Um, his performance, in, the way he smiles, in, he has the, almost like a vampire-like smile in a way. Yeah, exactly. Where he shows his teeth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just his performance in in Luke Cage was was good enough for he me. He was like, a cotton I mouth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And his performance in that, I was like, yep, that guy can do Blade. Definitely. Yep. He, like, I think that was enough for me to be like, yep, that's fine. It's a perfect person. Also, to take the it. first one was like. It was meant to have the humor of the time. Like, you couldn't have that version of Blade 
today it'd be too cheesy okay like you watch like the original blade movies and they're like they're really cheesy they're kind of campy Norton, even guillermo del toro did the second movie yeah oh man that was so good mm-hmm. i like all of i like all of them blade yeah. is just garbage though i mean it was garbage but it was hilarious because <laughs> it had what is his name uh, ryan, reynolds. ryan reynolds in it and he's always just talking pre-deadpool yeah exactly so he was like just getting into being this talkative character that just won't you shut come the fuck guzzling up. thunder cunt <laughs> And there's like a little vampire, like Pomeranian in the movie. And like its mouth opens like a predator. <laughs> well, like the vampires from the Blade Two. Right. Well, they're like I don't even know if they're vampires anymore at that point. Aren't they like hybrids? They're still vampires, essentially. Yeah. They, well, they eat vampires themselves, so that's what that's why they ask for Blade's help. I think there's just like different breeds or species of vampires. Yeah. But yeah, so 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 the art style makes sense. We even had like a, a classic werewolf story. Yeah, I mean we had we had a classic werewolf, story, and it makes sense. Like I mean maybe maybe Magnolia didn't intend for the art to be yeah. interpreted that way, but I wouldn't be I would I wouldn't be um, I don't you, think I would be remiss in saying that he would be influenced by viewing some of that artwork and whatnot. Yeah. Definitely, he wanted uh, that he needed a he wanted to put together a team book, and he wanted to do it like Marvel or DC. And Mike Richardson, who does the publication editing of Dark Horse, was trying to get away from doing, like, adaptations, comics from, like, Terminator and Predator and Aliens, which Dark Horse was doing at the time, to, like, original characters. And Mike Mignola, who did, like, Batman and uh, a Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom team-up book as well, liked his style enough to say, let's see what kind of story you, you can do for us. Pretty much, and that's how the seed of destruction. He also had the Hellboy was a bit of a like a concept piece. Um, there was a convention he went to where he was just doing an original character that said, "If you don't want to do like any other character that you've done before, why don't you do a fresh one?" There's, I think that photo or that piece of art is also in here, like towards the end. Yeah, he the explains original that, version of yeah, Hellboy. He wasn't intending to draw Hellboy. He wanted to draw a demon. And then at the last minute, he put in Hellboy on like the belt buckle, basically, and yeah. thought it was funny. And he just kept going with it. And people were like, this is actually a cool character. You should pursue that. And he ended up making that. And like you said, he was originally trying to make like a whole comic where it was a team. Which is the BPRD book. Yes, was, exactly. And then, and then he fleshed it out some more with the characters and then kind of made that whole bureau. And then that's how you kind of place the story together. Uh, there's a lot of concept art and like sketches towards the end, which gives you an idea of like the evolution of the characters and how he wanted them to look, which is really cool. I always love seeing concept art for things like that because you get to see their design process. Is not that, that, is that not that's not the art you're talking about? Those are some no. of the first Hellboy I, sketches. That is what he's telling. Yeah, you. yeah. There, there's a few sketches first, which probably. look nothing like the the final product, but they're really cool to look at. Um, and it's always a cool thing Just to look ideas. into the sketchbooks of some of these artists because they must draw so Go many things. Yeah, he loved. Yeah, he loved. He loved like old school Dracula. Is what he's saying in yeah. here. Like some of his like influences. He actually, uh, Mike Mignola also did a bit of. Um, that Francis Ford Coppola Dracula like he was doing the comic book adaptation oh, wow. at the time when that movie was still being like edited that's pretty wild cuz cuz Coppola is like that for that era of film was really well known for portraying those in a really good way uh, especially because uh he basically created a new style as far as like filmmaking goes so to be able to adapt something like that would be really cool yeah but it was also um 
he did like some concepts for the um, Dracula's Castle, and um, uh, I think they also reprinted the the four part series that Top Cards originally published of Mike of that adaptation. Okay. Fine, but it's all in black and white instead of color, which w- it was originally printed in. Okay, that's interesting. Well, as far as like the whole story goes, uh, how do you guys feel about? Like what we mentioned earlier, where Hellboy is a demon, essentially, who is hunting other occult things. Like, does that vibe with you? Do you think that's, yeah. like, a good story to follow? Absolutely. Absolutely, because it, it gives you the – well, as, like, as a story writer and whatnot, it gives you the ability to do a lot of interesting things with the character. You get to – you have a lot of conflict that you can play into right. on there because you have, you know, the man who is viewed as a monster by some who are around him, some that accept them, and then it's about – like it seems like Hellboy also tries to find acceptance in the world as well because he's not yeah. exactly accepted by the average folk. Well, he he's one looking mostly for a father figure, which he finds in the in his first like adoptive father. But he mm-hmm. also makes uh, he gets a lot of acceptance from like religious people, from other people that he meets and saves, and they like end up getting a lot of respect for him. But they almost always like priests and nuns. Yeah, they almost always it's very get killed Catholic. though. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting thing because a lot of the times, a lot of comics from from this time period and whatnot paint religious people into a very negative light. Yeah, they like of fanatics. The time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and then this one, it's like that happens a lot, and then this one, it's sort of not exactly always like that. So no. I like that it plays with that gray area a lot more. Also, the this was also a book that kind of surpassed the '90s. Yeah, uh, like there was a lot of. Comics weren't doing that great during the 90s. No, they weren't. The, the market was sort of like Marvel was going bankrupt. Yep. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure what. <laughs> Which is crazy to think about considering where they're yeah, at right, now. Yeah, right. Considering where they are now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like there was a whole new image was a new publishing uh-huh. which w- artists were doing their own original characters right. as well. And Hellboy crossed over with Savage Dragon, which was an original character. And uh, Hellboy has plenty of stories and characters you can like throw hellboy at a wall and just like pick any other story or character from that arc that stands out from like anything else that has been done in the 90s i feel like oh gotcha so they so they inserted stories usually that had been done but then re-imaged it for hellboy yeah that's what i felt like um like that's what the great thing about Mignola. He just like took familiar old yeah. tale stories, reintroduced them, but put the character Hellboy in those situations. Well, yeah, that's some good writing then because you, you have really solid source material and then you kind of make it your own. It allows you to be passionate with it too because yeah. if you really and admire really like the it, source yeah. material of what you're basing your work off of, then you get really into it. And then you make wonderful stories and they become iconic classics like this. Right. And I feel like Hellboy to me was definitely like the anti-hero where you end up having – uh, you're okay with the fact that he's not going to do everything the correct way mm-hmm. and kind of does his own thing. He gets angry most of the time and like does things impulsively instead of sort of following these rules, kind of like uh, what they introduced in the second movie mm-hmm. uh, or <laughs> second or third movie. Was it the second one? Golden with, Army? Huh? Yeah, the one where they brought in the doctor who's in like the suit. He's like a gas, basically. Johan Kraus? Yeah, and like that guy is just by the rules the whole time and mm-hmm. he's like pissed that Hellboy is not following any of these rules. That guy was also voiced by Seth MacFarlane. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of Stewie and Peter Griffin is voiced by... Uh, That's so weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed that movie, too, honestly. Uh, I liked uh, I liked the story about the elves, basically, and, and their, like, promise to not 
kill humans and then they the like son or the prince returns and is like nope like we're gonna fucking kill everybody and then they have like their own family conflict so that was a cool story i liked it but it also was going along the lines of hellboy that was one of the strengths of that movie i felt yeah like. you had this uh you were almost like you couldn't decide who you wanted to sort of get to the end and win whatever uh victory that they had yeah that character was more like a sympathetic character than like there was a purpose yeah i never i never felt watching that that he was doing something wrong necessarily he had he was really in his full right to kind of go against what was going on because he's like i didn't make this promise i don't know why we decided to do this (laughs) we need to like remain between human beings and the creatures of the old world yep yeah, they like told they him, "Oh, you're gonna stay here. You guys stay here, and we won't like interfere with each other." Yeah, it's sort of like he's very um, he's a very round character in how they and how they portray Hellboy as a character because he could very easily just be like a like testosterone fueled like muscle like muscled like meathead. If oh, you really yeah. want, if you really, you could totally have played him that way, but they don't. They make him kind of sympathetic to people. He's also you, really open to experts, to people yeah. who are mm-hmm. like who know a lot of things. Yep. He'll like sit and as listen to and get Ron help. Roman in the movie. Yeah, which was interesting. He was like kind of a cocky asshole in the yeah. movie where he mm-hmm. didn't really need anyone's help and liked going in solo. And even in the comic, they're like, oh, sorry, you're going to have to go by yourself. And he's like, that's not fair. <laughs> uh, Hellboy kind of reminds me of – it's kind of like if if Conan went into like a supernatural – like if Conan nice. went into like a supernatural like in like organization and like you just kind of put a character like that in there. And, and that's kind of how I think he'd end up turning out if you did that, you know, right. sort of uh, – Sort of a um, uh, like he's got the tough guy demeanor, but he's not he's not impractical though. No, not at yeah. all. But uh, he will do what it takes to get shit done. Yeah, that's kind of the deal. Right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And then that's I think that's what I ended up liking most about his character was that uh, he because he is a flawed character, you kind of can relate to some of these characters a little more when you're reading them because they have these things they really want. Well, and for him, it's like that acceptance. Yeah, he uh, based a bit of Hellboy off of his dad, who was like, oh, a, yeah, a carpenter. Okay. So this guy was a bit of a blue collar character. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he was really like, he didn't have a whole lot of money. He wasn't wanting to get like, you know, extravagant with what he was doing. He did just want to do his job, make sure people were okay, and was like, he must have bit stayed with the bureau to help them, like, because he felt like he was doing something that made sense. Which I would love to see more of that done in the TV shows than what we got in the movies. Right. They they went straight to, like, the biggest overarching story of, like, all of his stuff. Instead of kind of, like, you can get a lot of content out of the many, like, adventures he basically goes on with Abe and Liz. And then, like, the cast of recurring characters that they bring in. Like, I think one guy is only on, like, one frame in the comic. And that was it. That was, like, the only time <laughs> you ever saw him. And so I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, he's like, oh, we're signing this guy to you. And then that was it. You don't see him again in the <laughs> comics ever again. <laughs> he didn't make it on the first mission. Right. Like something happened, I guess. But stuff like that where he would make for a good TV show. Well, I, I feel like today I think comic books fit better in TV now. Yes. People are more open to the idea of something being adapted. Like Mar- Netflix did the Marvel shows. They yep. did the Dark Horse Umbrella Academy show. That was good. I liked it. And there's DC who did Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing. Yeah. So I feel like comic books are very episodic in a way they're just very long right well that must be appealing in like a business aspect be like oh we can get a lot out of this and so we're gonna make like one two seasons of it and then but movies are very specific yeah you have to narrow your focus i 
like I feel like I feel we discussed this maybe last episode where it was like the companies are are more willing to take a risk on something that already has a fan base established for yes. it. Yes, so Hence comics, why, so comic books, great have have huge plethora of source material to go off yeah. of, so less work in pre production, um, and there. But it also makes it so that they're less willing to accept new ideas. Yes. But that's and true. so that's so it's a it's a double edged sword. At one point, you're getting all these cool comic book movies made. Some of them not necessarily the way you want them to be made. No. <laughs> and then um and but and and it's great. It's cool. And then at the same time, it's kind of also like it's also now it's like kind of cluttering the market a little bit. Like there's it so is. much going on that there's not enough room for like newer things to come. Like through. the boys just came out last night. Before, yeah. For my birthday, and I was just like watching <laughs> a, a bit of that, and I saw Carl Urban's ass. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Good for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Glorious. The the Carl Urban crush. Yeah, the Carl Urban that. crush. It's coming back. <laughs> coming back. Well, we're gonna get a photo of you with like hard eyes, and it's just Carl Urban. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Urban senpai, notice me. That's so great. <laughs> Well, you know what? what? I was talking with a lot of uh, people from San Diego State and, like, the professors and whatnot. Um, they are convinced that TV is going to be really popular soon, um, that, like, that's what they're heading towards because people don't want just a single movie. They want, like, a huge amount of content to go through. Um, it's why you're getting, like, the Bounty Hunter show from Star Wars. It's why you're getting, like, new I Star Trek. Like, why you're getting, like, all these adaptations. They've been doing the Watchmen show. one as well. So it's like you're going to get these stories that we know they exist. They've already been done in comics, but they're going to make more of it. They're going to fill in all of like the gaps where you're going to see like the whole story and you get it to see like 14, 15 hours of it. Here's the thing. Uh, George Clooney, when he made his big break in ER back in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, TV has more of a, something intimate. It's going to be in your bedroom. Oh, and yeah. It's just you and your characters. house. You get super, super connected to the people. Yeah. You're, like, really invested. And movies are more like you're on a date. You're yeah. going to, like, get immersed differently. That's accurate. Yeah. I could see that. Um, I've watched plenty of shows where I, like, I don't – like, I think I postponed watching the end of a few shows because I was like, oh, man, this is, like, the last episode. <laughs> and, like, I didn't want to finish watching it. Um, but there's just, like – there there is an intimacy to watching it because of how much you're going to get to know about these characters. They now have however many plus hours, like game of Thrones, what 70 to 80 hours of content mm -hmm. that you, they had to kind of give you an idea of who this character was. And then by the end of it, you're just, you do not want them to die. You don't want anything bad to happen, but it's like, it's all the more effective for having so much content that when you do kill someone or something bad happens, it'll affect the crowd and you get a huge reaction out of people when watching the show and you get all this discussion and buzz around it. Yeah. So, uh, making a show is I think it's a different skill set. Yeah. Right, writing a show so, yeah. as opposed to writing a movie, because there are movies where you can create the same effect with a character Usually with just one character, though, because you only have enough time to maybe focus on one or two people to, to get everyone yeah, like really invested. Yeah, ex right. yeah, exactly. I would say that some of the big directors would not be good TV writers. Yeah, I would agree with that. They might they might not be able to – they might actually like, like working a in a more – Like Spielberg would not be a good – TV. I don't Stranger Things, in a way, is very Spielberg. Uh, they copied like the the aesthetic of the time period and like what they were doing for Spielberg like, the also presentation. produced some of our. He's like, definitely a producer, and he knows how to bring people together for the items. But as far as like the solid writing yeah. for something like that, but he is mostly a director. But yeah. I do think he would have a hard time directing just a single episode because he wants Abrams it to be larger. Does both, like, yeah, he's really good too at doing yeah. those. So th that's kind of like the in between where you're able to do TV shows as well as that. If I was making something, I would want a TV show. Like, I want more content. 
and yeah, like, exactly. to explore everything. I wouldn't want just a movie. I would want to do like a TV series and then like make a movie after where it's like a single event or story out of that world you've already created. But I think that's just because uh, I want to do writing and directing. So like I'm going to be creating all of the world as opposed to just like someone gives you the stuff and they're like, I need you to direct everyone in this right direction. This mm-hmm. is like the vision yeah. that I you have. You want to be part it. of the creative process. Of yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. What ultimately is sort of like the ending or have they created an ending for Hellboy just yet? Uh, there's a series devil, you know, mm-hmm. which is, does he ever get older? Like I know he ages really slowly. I don't. Is there old so, man but, Hellboy? <laughs> but just his character matures. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. After all those events. Yeah. Like even he feels lost after like spending his life uh, killing monsters or hunting them for this agency, and then he's on his own and he doesn't really know where he's going in life, and he keeps getting reminded that he's the beast of the apocalypse. He's creating this new Eden, right? Which he has no interest of doing. He wants. Yeah, he likes he likes living there. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to get rid of all these people he's met and made connections with. Exactly, which is a very human character. Yeah, for him being bright red <laughs> and yeah. a demon, he has a lot of human characteristics. I, I read a really interesting article. Um, about the Hellboy comics that was analyzing how they felt about him being a demon and hunting other demons. As So the comparison they made was um, like criminal, they're hiring criminals to go get other criminals. And like, how do people feel about that? Because the connections they were making was like uh, to modern social commentary. So like, how do you feel about cops who are people of color who are part of the system and like being a part of that oppression for anyone else that's going on yeah exactly. and so it's like how do you then feel about comics they're similar and they're getting this idea across where this is somebody who is supposed to be on the other end of the gun but is Mm -hmm. usually the one hunting them down so are like are they being used uh, in some way but Mm -hmm. i think in this case hellboy makes a lot of good connections with people so i wouldn't say that he's like just getting used as a tool like them and they're not like a crazy government organization they're just like on their own yeah it's kind of like a private like a private yeah. organization that handles things. you know what it reminds me of uh did you guys ever read the helsing manga or like yeah, yeah, or yeah, like yeah, the, yes 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 you know how they have the like cop, the cop lady I, that turns vampire i forget I her name that, but yeah. I, I did read um uh i watched oh man i watched that series like all in one go dope as that book, it's dude. like See, Hel- helsing's helsing's badass yeah. yeah um i was gonna say that um it reminds me of uh of black klansman also, oh, that's yeah. a really that's a really good one. That one really analyzes that that social struggle str- <laughs> <laughs> analyzes that social struggle as well. Where he's trying to be he's trying to be a cop. He's just a black dude trying to be a cop. And in the, yeah. the early seventies, yeah, exactly during the time of that civil rights movement and whatnot. In Colorado, so it's really, really like that's a really and it plays with that. It analyzes that idea really well in that one. And so I can send, it's very similar in Hellboy in the same way where he is like quote unquote the bad guy. Go and taking down the bad guys, right. quote unquote, and being part of the system. The great thing about like even Black Klansman is, this is a character who wants to have a relationship with a woman he's infatuated with, and she views as all cops as pigs. <laughs> yeah, and it's sort of a double edged sword for, for that relationship where he wants to have a healthy relationship, but if he she just views him just as a cop, a man who is a, a badge and has a job to do. Pretty much. And then he is also fighting the Klan in Colorado. <laughs> it's true. He's very directly involved with trying to, yeah. like, bring yeah. them down. So he is doing, and, like, and a he lot would, of work. He wouldn't have joined – He would, you wouldn't – He his character would not have joined the Force if he didn't agree with being a part of a Force like that. 
Yeah, and he also has some people within the uh, department who support him as well. Yeah, exactly. And then there's some, and then there's some that don't. Yeah, they're like, fuck this guy. And they try to desk it, like, put desk assignments. Without getting too much into it, I love how that movie explores, like, the true grayness yeah of like of the world because it's not all one way or right the other. They it never is yeah. Gray area. yeah it's always that gray area you know because he's dealing with people who are like on his side there's people or who are against lining. him even being a part yeah exactly i think i um, think the reason why i like this aspect of hellboy is because i feel like if you're gonna make some sort of hero and they're just like flawless and like they they're just always like going to superman do the right thing or spider-man i fucking this is why i don't like superman like because <laughs> yeah. he's pretty much like a flawless character he doesn't like ever really like i know his he, i know he has like a physical weakness which is like yeah but it's not really but other than that it's not but like something Kent within himself character he's a very foilable character yeah that he's created yeah exactly not, that's his secret identity that's not like his actual identity himself right and so when they do stuff like that, they sort of maintain the status that's very far away from people. Like, mm-hmm. how many people do you think relate to Superman? No one. Yeah, th- no one does. They, yeah. He's just the guy who flies in and saves the day. So it's he, like this isn't the kind of hero that you're sort of looking for. I think that was also the great thing about Marvel is that Stanley helps create, like, characters you can relate to. Yeah, a lot of characters you As can opposed to. to, like, a character who's a reporter and is an alien from another world or you're <laughs> a rich philanthropist who is a crime fighter at night wearing the the guise of a bat <laughs> i um, love it i love the very subtle way you described batman <laughs> yeah well but it's true that's what he does yeah there was that what was it it was a, it was an ultimate death battle i think that was between goku and superman that made a really good point about the two of the well the two characters i'll get to the point of it but there was one they made a, um, yeah. a good comparison basically superman is always going to be as strong as he needs to be to handle whatever it is yes he's never not going to be strong enough to handle it that's also a thing. Like, he's Where, OP in his story. Yeah, exactly. And like whereas, in D&D. I mean, and then the comparison is that, you know, you have Goku who always has to work his ass off to get to that, to get to whatever he he's fighting. He does train, yeah. He, but, well, he always has to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's repetitive and it's boring, but there's, that just is. It should also flaws. be noted It makes that. Goku more human because yeah. he has to, in a, in, in it, it, in the in the meta of the world that they're in, John, I know that he's oh, not actually. No, human. I'm just saying Goku's a terrible father. <laughs> yeah, he is. No, he is a terrible father. That is true. Yes, absolutely. You know, the best father's Piccolo. Exactly. We all know that Piccolo's yes. the real daddy. I was. I always thought Piccolo was like a alien pickle. You know, like, I, you know what? Really though, really though. Yes. Wait, the whole show, their names are based off of food, so that makes yep. sense. Yeah, yeah but, but piccolo is a musical instrument, though, and I always also kept that. Thinking, yeah. When yep. I was younger, I always thought like a pickle, like a just a vinegary cucumber. I mean, they look antennas. green. He's green. Yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, yeah. pretty green. Um, but without fight. getting too much off of Hellboy, but that was kind of like a another another sort of comparison that I would right. look at. Whereas like where where one character is actually has to struggle. To do anything, yes. and it, and like Superman's holding is, oh no, kryptonite! Blah. It's kind of and funny. then someone kicks the rock away from him, and he's like, I'm better now. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it's really funny, and I love how aggressive Lex Luthor is in a lot of these moments. Where nice. He's like, I'm literally gonna fucking stab you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he just hates him. He yeah, hates he him so much. Really wants to murder him, and we always cheer for Lex. Because yeah, we honestly, just really want, like, we always do. Yeah. Here's a nice thing about Hellboy too. <laughs> he stays within his own continuity. Yeah. He, he never diverges or someone has to like come up with a whole new way to create this character like superman where you need like extra powers you need like what else can 
you use to stop them? How, which kryptonite are we going to use this time? Red, green, <laughs> yellow, blue? Yeah, Hellboy is always Hellboy, and he always stays within his own canon sort of yeah. deal. They don't yeah. ever have to make new shit up for also, him. Also, his strength is pretty, like, it's limited. Like, yep. he knows when he's getting his ass kicked, and it's like, okay, I need to figure something out. And then at some point in the comic, he even says, I need help. Like, it's not very often that you see main characters or heroes or anti-heroes sort of be like, I need some help. And, like, it reminds me of, like, uh, like Marvel recently did uh, the, the Punisher series. And Where the, you get the War Machine armor. And, uh, huh? Yeah, huh? He, he, he's donning the War Machine armor, pretty much. Like, the Iron Man armor with all the guns and rocket launchers. The Punisher? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> what is this? A co- like, one of the recent comics? Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. The Punisher <laughs> becomes War Machine. All right, anyway, but... Right. Well, There's so the a, Punisher also, gets beat up is my point. Like okay. he gets like in the show, he is just fucking destroyed in a lot of scenes and like broken and he, he just keeps like going. He had bruises and cuts. He, there's like the only time you see him not like really beaten down is right at the beginning of the show, like first episode. And then the rest of the season he is just fucked up. The main up. Punisher series or the Daredevil show? Uh, well, kind of both, but the main Punisher series yeah. is also really good. But it's like the the point of like that sort of storytelling, like I said, is to relate to them. But also, um, you kind of know that they may not survive the encounter. Like they they might possibly die, and then it almost means more if something like that happens. And there's a lot of really good stories where the main character just dies at the end, and it almost had to happen, or else they would escape. And then you feel that feeling where you're like, oh, like something's gonna come in and save them. So you're never really worried about them at some points. Comic books also has this weird rule of, like, you kill a character and it comes back a year later. Right. Like, Superman, Wolverine, Captain Batman, <laughs> Captain America. Like, very popular, familiar characters always come back. but some And they always come up with some bullshit excuse to yeah. bring them back. Like, they were in hibernation and they were just... Or they, it's a different version of this character, and they're coming back. So, What characters do you guys think of that were really popular characters when they were killed off and never brought back again? Ooh, I'd have to think on that for a moment. Is this like any medium? Yeah, any, 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 any story you can think of. I don't know if I can actually think of one right now because like a lot of them. Han Solo from Star Wars. There I you know. go. There you go. Yep, not coming back. Yeah. Well, you never know. Here's a thing. <laughs> They're literally bringing back fucking Darth Sidious. So oh, it's like, God damn it. Okay. What the fuck? Yep. I guess. So I they, guess. they could do yeah. some nonsense like that and be yeah. like, what now? He fell into some secret hibernation crate in the bottom yeah, and like but, uh, got shot out of the Death Star uh, before it exploded. Like some bullshit. Also, Palpatine was also cloned as well. That's true. You're right. And he had multiple. He either was stories. cloned or he like transferred to many different bodies. So like that would be. A, like a pretty believable thing. I just didn't think they'd ever bring him back. Honestly, I did. I, that was kind of unexpected. I was like, I thought they just left him dead. Um, here's another one. Uh, Rorschach from Watchmen. I yep. be- I believe that character is dead. The new show that's happening on HBO. They're carrying on the ideology of Rorschach, and to an extreme of terrorism. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, no, that Rorschach's another good example of a character that was really well developed in the show, and you pretty much grow. He's one of the favorites too, easily one of the favorites of Watchmen. I would he's argue he's a gumshoe character with these right. Doesn't Spike die in Cowboy Bebop? Yes, he does. Yes, he does at the very up at the very yeah. end. Yep, skip Spike goes down. Yeah, and you with uh, you, with vicious, I think. Yeah, he, yeah, they like is. pretty much just kill each other. Tank. Yep. 
Tank also, is the name of the bad guy? Or no, Tank? Tank doesn't die, does he? No. Oh, we're... Cow- but, no, no, not Tank. But Cowboy Bebop, the, the song Tank is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, no, I think... Uh, no, um, God, Jet, Jet lives. Yes. Jet lives. Ed lives. Uh, Val, uh, Val lives. So before we sort of wrap things up, I do mm-hmm. have just like a question or two about the, the comic, about Hellboy, and really kind of like how they're sort of getting into some of the comics. One of the questions I thought about was, do you feel that when comics are adapted into like a TV series or a movie that they should just stick to it page to page? Or do you think there has to be some sort of artistic uh, like expression in some way and they're going to change it slightly? Because that seems to be like the number one thing people are complaining about with adaptations is that they feel it wasn't cast it well or it wasn't like um, the art style wasn't correct or they, they felt that the character should have done something different. Do you think that's, do you think they should stick to it or do you think they should have their own uh, freedom and their own creative freedom to do something? I feel like they should have their own freedom creatively because if you, I feel like sometimes comics lately have been treated as like sacrosanct kind of stories. Like a perfect example is a Watchmen movie where Zack Snyder took by f- shot by shot, frame by frame, word by word of of the Watchmen co- graphic novel. Right. Or even like the fr- Robert Rodriguez did Frank Miller's Sin City. Yeah. Which is very close to what goes on in the comic. Yeah, it's like, ugh, man, some of it is like page to page of what was in there. Yeah, but I prefer like comic, like any adaptation is different experience like video games books movies theater music like the experience is different from however you consume it uh, and everyone's going to have a different way of interpreting right i agree that everyone's going to have a different way of interpreting the source material however i think that comics in a sense have some sort of theme or some sort of morality or idea that they're trying to pass along and i feel like if you're get, like Watchmen's a good example is a good example of that is that I think that the movie my opinion the movie Watchmen did a really good job of expressing the point of the comics which was an expression right. of failure yeah and I think that it did a decent job of of conveying that message that was in the comics as well um, not a perfect job but a decent job I'm um, excited for that HBO show though same um, but I feel like but I do I do feel there should be some level of creative freedom with them but i feel like they need to convey the main points of the of the material itself because that's what a lot of people like the the comics for is because for the themes and whatnot it's not always just about because i want to see this character punch this character you know right it's like it's like a little bit there's always like there's more in depth when it comes to writing and yeah a lot of the time um i feel like adaptations run the risk of changing the theme like you said or the flow of the storyline because comics are like a distilled story so each page that you're looking at is pretty much like a vignette like this is what they wanted you to see at that moment and it's chosen very precisely so to change up the flow and format of something like that runs the risk of changing the mood and setting of it and then even the tone will come off as something different so like you'll get um like the comic that we just read and then the first hellboy movie which to me are not the same they came off in different tones the movie is a little more lighthearted, whereas in this one hellboy seems to reflect a lot on his own like existence and how he sort of fits into this world. And so that was the main theme. It's dark, it's noir, it's not lit very well. There's always these dark areas that he's going into. And so 
from a writing and like creative per like perspective i feel like it shouldn't be changed too much and if i ever like went to adapt something i probably wouldn't change a whole lot unless there's things that are just like happening off screen that you can sort of fill in where it's like well how do they get there like how do they get to the spot who else was talking during these scenes those are the kind of things where you can take really good creative freedom because it gives you more context into what you're viewing and so that would make sense for a movie because a comic being adapted straight from what it is there would not be long enough you have to like start filling in the spaces chris nolan also did his interpretation of batman which w- was 70 to 80 years of source material and right he had a story to tell with the with that character in that world and it wasn't like involved with the dc world but pretty much but his own like let's make this character cinematic like make yeah he did a really good job of turning it into a cinematic trilogy that wasn't like it didn't seem like uh the earlier versions of batman that were like tim burton <laughs> and like you had the caricatures and things like that he wanted to bring batman into the real world yes he made it very realistic and you could have like an idea of who these characters would which be. becomes the model for our comic book adapted movies or shows that we yep we're watching now or oh yeah know. he very easily set up the expectation for what people were watching especially when you get something as good as the the dark knight with heath ledger and and just that sort of uh the villain and all the other people that were showing up there and their connections to each other uh that was something i think people were waiting for for a long time to have that represented on screen and to have it be more realistic in a sense the only thing that was kind of uh being taken off the page and put onto the screen was his makeup and they, even that was changed. Like, he had slightly different makeup than he usually does. The scars, even the outfit is, like, a modern version of what his outfit is. So it was a cool adaptation in that sense. Instead of, like, a three-piece tuxedo. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, the long tails behind <laughs> him. Yeah. I, I don't know. Also, comic books, pe- there's a view of comic books sometimes being funny books, pretty much. That it's just, Yes. Just because it's illustrated, there's, like, word balloons. Well, there was a long time. It's not, like, books themselves. Yeah. Which you well, see. graphic novels are only recently being brought into literature classes. Yeah. Like, before that, they didn't consider them, like, good pieces of literature. And now you can take a class specifically on graphic novels because they are so important to the type of literature that's in, like, the, the, the media outlets that are um, pulling their resource materials straight from these comics. And now suddenly they're really important. And this could be like an avenue that some artists and some writers can take. It's like, I'm going to write a comic first, and then I'm going to adapt that comic. And then I'm going to make a TV series out of it. And they keep doing that. And that sort of has become like the new thing to do and how you spread around like a story. And you'll fill it in more and more as you get to different mediums. And that's seemed to work out really well for Marvel. Um, I think that's more of like a Disney thing where they were like, we're going to spread this everywhere. Like anything we can get out of it, we're going to do it. But Marvel does that as well, like, with their own books. They did stay within comics, though. Like, it wasn't until being bought by such a large media giant that they were really spreading out. They're taking the best parts of Marvel. Yes. And using that to their advantage. They also have a huge pool of resource material that they are just, like, never really going to run out of. Which I'm still trying to figure out why Warner Brothers is still trying to figure out their whole DC universe. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll be really hard to compete at this point, but it's just I can understand their willingness to be like, no, we're not going to sell out. We need to make our own content or at least hang on to what we got. <laughs> I think they're just going to do this, these standalone movies. Yeah. Which the Joker is coming up, which I'm looking forward to, like a character study piece on the Joker. That one looks really good. I like. It's what Joaquin Phoenix is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. 
he's been an interesting dude. Like he's had really interesting roles. Uh, I watched her not too long ago. What a sad fucking mm-hmm. movie. You ever watched The Master? Yes. That's a fucking also a really crazy good movie. movie too. Yeah. Very different people in both of those movies. Always. Too. Very yeah. Different person. He he seems to me like he'd be like a method actor and would get really into like whatever he's doing and then he's just stuck like that for however long he's filming. <laughs> just like the I'm still here thing he yeah, was doing. Yeah, that was so weird. Where he's just like chewing gum on David Letterman. It's like, huh? Oh. Yeah, and he didn't break character the whole time. It's super weird. <laughs> Which even his documentary uh, he was doing was like a lark, pretty much, of him doing like a hip hop career. Yes, yeah, I remember that too. Well, shit. All yeah. right. Well, do you guys have any final thoughts on Hellboy, or at least this comic? <laughs> Give it a read. Yeah. Go read it. It's a it's a good one. Um, don't compare it to the movies entirely. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, go read the comic D- first. Don't expect don't expect it to be like the movies. Yeah. Right. It's richer. It's a different flavor. It's, <laughs> um, you don't have to worry about continuity so much with Hellboy. Yeah, that's fair. There, it doesn't detract from like weird story arcs or different change-ups that the character, the creator Mike Mignola has done to that character. But I definitely highly recommend Hellboy, BPRD, Ape Sapien books to anybody who really wants to read Hellboy. And it'll be fun to talk more about Hellboy again. Right. I think I think we will uh, either – we'll do possibly one of the movies because it's so close. Like the, maybe the first movie, then the new-ish movie. Yeah. The Harbor movie. So yeah. maybe those or, and or a different piece of the comics and how those sort of like came together for that. But this <clears> is a really good intro, and I liked uh, – if I wanted to show someone, I'd be like, yeah, go get this collection. It's a good intro mm-hmm. into all of his stories. And it, I wish – there was more of these kind of i need to go find there are there's there's a second one oh i mean like with other comics where like oh yeah they would bring them together for like a good place to start there's a lot of them a lot of uh, a lot of like the old school like marvel comics and have omnibuses of like all of their stuff if you just go to like the barnes and noble section those are those big fat books are oh the ones that are are like a hundred bucks (laughs) yeah those things yeah those ones amazon's just cheaper though that's fair yep you could always just you could always just amazon it (laughs) or or ebay like some people or ebay yeah Man, I hate buying shit on eBay because I feel like I always lose. You get gypped. Yeah, or someone like has those automatic bids on, and mm. you just keep you just keep fucking upping it, and they're like, okay, I guess I'm not gonna get it. <laughs> it's like bidding in like in Seinfeld for JFK's golf clubs. Right. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for coming to talk with me. I, I want to remind everyone that we're super easy to find. We're on all of the streaming services, so we're on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, as well as SoundCloud. And then we also have our Instagram page and our Facebook page. Go on and comment. Argue with us. Yeah, argue <laughs> argue with us. We see you. Let us know. How right. Get Out and Us is not that scary. Uh, yeah. We had Yeah, we got some interesting comments, which is good because we like when people engage with what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, because we always don't have the right answers for everything, and we're willing to support like what we said and why we might have said something. And so – we love that interaction and it brings more attention to what we're doing and how you can kind of be participating in that. And we do want to talk to everybody. We love talking about this stuff, even outside of the podcast. Yeah. We'll have several conversations about it. So definitely hit us up if you can and email us if you want to, you don't want to put it anywhere public, yeah. <laughs> but all of that works. So thank S- you guys. Send your death threats anonymously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'll find you. I can no. I'll find you. Anthrax in the mail. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming to talk with me about Hellboy. Hope you guys have a good night. Stay spooky. Thanks.